Welcome to Toasted Lavender. My name is Alex. Toasted Lavender is a podcast where we talk about queer issues and history and news, as hopefully you're already aware. This is our part two of Queer TV Club Roundup. You may remember that we talked about Umbrella Academy last episode. Today is about feel good, and we wanted to give a small warning about content for a couple of reasons. We are not going to censor ourselves about spoilers. Ever. Or ever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's also some talk about sexual assault and abuse as well as addiction. And Lisa brings up her love of gender fucks, which is major content warning. So um, (laughs) thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Toasted Lavender. My name is Alex. My pronouns are she and her. This week, I am drinking a beer from Fisher in Salt Lake City, and it's called Dawn of the New Haze. It's yummy. My name's Kai. He, him pronouns. I'm also drinking the Fisher Dawn of the New Haze. We got crawlers. Yeah, we did. Got them today. They're keeping them fresh fresh keeping them fresh my name's lisa my pronouns are she her and i am having a fisher rye cream ale also in a crawler hi i'm Lindsay, and my pronouns are she her shout out to fisher they have a really cool story fisher was a big brewery back in the day in salt lake like, like in the 60s? And before, I think. Okay. okay. And Like pre-prohibition, I thought. And I think this was like the grandson of the what original the Fisher. Yeah. Um, so they brought back all the really cool branding and logos. And um, it's just, it's a neat place to visit. And they have awesome merch and awesome beer. So. Have you guys been there since uh, they have... They opened up that window in the back. Like they've opened their patio fully up so you can go down the side and then all the way behind. And at the back of the building, there's like a lemonade stand, like walk up window. And Mm -mm. it's, it's really nice. It's really nice. Yeah. I don't think we went there during the plague. It's also a very queer friendly establishment. I must add, I was there today and they had a rainbow flag still hanging in the window and it's not pride month (laughs) so cheers to fisher so lisa do you want to talk about what your topic is yes the queer tv show i'm going to be talking about is feel good which if you remember episode four we already did a nice little intro to as one of the best in queer of 2021 so feel good For those who don't know, it's a British comedy drama that is on Netflix, and it's two seasons. Both seasons are streaming on Netflix now. Only six episodes per season, so it's a pretty compact show. And those are short episodes, too. Short episodes, yeah, only 30 minutes. It didn't take us very long to catch up, because in 
episode four of our podcast, we hadn't watched it yet. And now here we are and we're completely. <laughs> we binge watched it, it on about. Monday night altogether. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> romantic comedy starring Mae Martin as himself and Charlotte Ritchie as Mae's girlfriend, George. So the show follows the development of George and Mae's romance happening in real time in contemporary London. Kind of the plot is May is a Canadian comedian who is living in the UK and May and George meet at the comedy club that May is performing at. And then the rest of the show really hyper focuses on their relationship and then all of the outside forces that are influencing their relationship. Um, May, we discover, is a recovering addict. And we find out that George has never come out to her family and friends. And so these two kind of outside forces are influencing their relationship. And in the second season, it takes a further dive that we realize May has post-traumatic stress disorder. And... That is now another layer on top of all of the factors that are kind of fighting against the relationship. We did finish watching the series together, but we very specifically did not talk about it. We didn't look each other in the eyes either. We didn't look each other in the eyes. It was kind of awkward. There was no (laughs) follow-up conversation. We were like, we're saving this for the podcast. Get out of my house. Yes, we just left. We can't talk about this. (laughs) We didn't. Yeah. The first question I have for the group is, what did you think of the show? What's your opinion? Did you like it or did you not like it? That's quite broad. It is, but it's very simple. Did you like it or did you not? Why are you pointing at me? Because you get to speak. I talked a lot last time. It's your turn to start. Um, Can I give like a out of ten? Sure. Yeah. Let's um, let's say out of ten, ten out lines. of ten strap-ons. Oh my oh god! Are you ready for this? That was really great. There's honey. a lot of strap-ons in this show. So, out of ten flamingos, strap-ons, or any other silly thing that you want to say, ten um, white t-shirts. Ten white t-shirts with rolled up sleeves. Yes. Um, so. Hey there, Delilah. Oh, God. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. I would give it. There's s- no wrong or right answer here. Uh, I would give it. A 6.85. Oh, wow. Getting into the desis. So that would be 68.5 out of 100 if we were going on base So we're going... So that's a... Is that a D minus? No. It's a D plus. This is not... We're not doing the public school system. It's not. No, no, no. (laughs) That means I liked it more than I didn't like it. Above average. It's above average. Okay. Okay. Okay, above average. Um, There were certain things about it that, like, confused me. But I think that was part of the show. I think that it was meant to be sort of like, I don't know. 
I'm missing the word that I want to use, but it's, I felt like it was meant to be a little awkward and I felt like it was meant to be confusing because you're, I think they wanted you to relate to the main character and, but there were also things that were super unbelievable to me and that's what I couldn't figure out is like how relatable it could be versus like how just sort of off the wall at times. And I got a little lost at times about, you know, just how realistic it was versus it wasn't. And do you have any examples? Yes. Just like meeting somebody in a bar and doing it. Like I'm just not well versed in that. Well, that's a pretty common thing. For I, I mean, it is, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. This but is we met in a coffee take. shop and then did it. So <laughs> I'm just Guys. saying, and, and that's not like the prime I'm example. Edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> I don't think that's a prime example of what I'm talking about. It's I remember just that you example. said that and you're like, this is not believable. And I just said that we were. Hookup culture is a big thing in queer. Oh, I know that. But it but was we, never in my queer story. Right. Hookup culture. Because you were like 21 and I was like 19 when we met and we've been together ever since. So yeah. we've never like. But even That's before, fair. but even before that, I know. But even before that, you, you were, were in old high enough school. to go to bars. Right. Like it was were, like not. I was old enough to go to the eighteen and unders. Yeah, but the, I don't think it's the same. I think the world is different. I think than it's it different for twenty, time. like twenty plus year olds. Well, and I think now. it's just different for different types of people. Yeah, that's also definitely. very valid. Yes, yeah. I agree. So for my type of people, felt weird. Bar hookups weren't your scene. No. Got it. I'm sure, too, in, like, the comedy genre, like, you're hanging out at nightclubs every night. Like, I'm sure that that's probably a more common thing in that industry. Well, May was addicted to drugs at, like, age 15. So, yeah. I think that there was probably a lot of things that were slightly abnormal for most people that Mm -hmm. were happening in May's life. So, in that aspect, sometimes I got lost but it's i understand that it was part of the story so okay. as far as relatability i think that's where my 6.85 came from all right okay alex um, yeah so i started out this series not loving it but then cuz it it's was like self deprecating towards the like, queer person okay so may just gets to date a straight person and that's going to be the genre it felt like the beginning of a lot of different yeah, movies yeah, and stories. I I liked it a lot. Like the beginning of my story. <laughs> I feel I think that the um, last season was really good. I feel like the last like maybe two or three episodes, I was like, this is really. I really it liked this. Yeah, same. So I would maybe give it like an eight point five out of ten. I feel like I'm right around, yeah, like right around Alex, like an eight to an eight and a half. Like I really liked it because how it sort of tricked me. Like it started me out thinking it was going to be like every other fucking queer 
story where it's like a queer person chasing somebody that's unobtainable and just like being ravaged and being like a joke for everyone all the time. Like I feel like that's like every queer movie ever. And it's, I'm so sick of that narrative and I feel like it started out as that. And then it got much better. It got like much more layered and a lot deeper, a lot deeper, a lot of like different themes that came in. Yes. And I really, I really want to touch on the last three episodes with the older person who sexually abused me, Scott, Scott, who sexually abused me and what an interesting dynamic they have and what an interesting reconciliation sort of, or like, I mean, I don't know. Is it a reconciliation? Is it a calling it what it is and getting closure and fucking moving on? I don't know. But that scene where May goes to see Scott in the comedy club and confronts him about what he did to her and how violated she felt by it and how she felt like her safety net was like being abusing her and called that what it was like that scene was earth shattering to me. And I feel like that was so like empowering on so many levels and I and that that scene in itself was just like holy shit like I just didn't even know what to say for a minute is it too soon to talk about this in depth of the show yeah no okay no no. yeah this is just like a general what did you think of it and like your um your immediate takeaways I have an addition please add it to my review uh When May was talking about, she was talking to her agent about her, like, teenage years being very fuzzy and not really knowing, like, if this actually happened or what's real and what's not. I felt very, I identified with that a lot. And then I felt like the Scott plot was very realistic so realistic I think that that absolutely could have been me like if I would have had six months of like doing drugs or whatever I'm sure that that could have been me for sure just looking for a place to yeah well and I was like I moved out of my dad's house uh at 17 and I kind of bounced around from place to place and luckily I wasn't like doing drugs or anything but that could have happened yeah it's not a far-fetched plot at all yeah and so and obviously it happened to them so it's clearly not a far-fetched plot started out on the scene with the agent and talking about the fuzzy teen years and I just felt like I really identified from there on out pretty much. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what really turned it up for me. And like, I enjoyed it very much. So I do want to give a little bit of backstory to Mae Martin's life. 
just um, if you've seen the show or haven't, I think it's important to know that May Martin identifies as non-binary and bisexual. And that is something that both of those things have been a struggle within the comedy industry. May Martin uses she and they pronouns, so either are fine. I'm going to use they, them, because that's what they prefer. And they grew up in Toronto and started doing stand-up comedy at the age of 13. That was the first part of kind of this common thread of the show of May's highly addictive personality. So they talk multiple times during throughout both seasons about how they latch on to something and it becomes an obsession to their detriment, which is what they talk about the definition of an addiction is, is an obsession that leads to a detriment in your personal life. So comedy was that first piece and it was, they were a a child who really loved attention and there happened to be a comedy scene in Toronto that they kind of were able to slide into and that led to doing stand-up comedy from the age of 13 into being introduced to this life where they were hanging out with people who were 10 to 15 years older than them, staying out late, led into drug culture, cocaine addiction, and then they eventually left Toronto to go to London to kind of get away from some of those demons and found a really like loving and accepting queer community there and has thrived in the UK with their comedy and um, a big thread throughout their life also has been dating both male and female, but whenever dating females, it has always been women who aren't out or have never dated another woman. So it's been like this. So it's always a straight girl. It's always a straight girl. And May Martin is always the secret. And that's, I was listening to a podcast and I'm going to link a couple of podcast interviews that I listened to for this episode that were really fascinating. May Martin had that really kind of traumatic teen years where they were dating mostly men and had some abuse and then Mm -hmm. dated some women and it was always pretty traumatic. It sounds like because they were always, it was always a secret relationship. And now just recently May has accepted their bisexuality and is now dating men and women like pretty openly and like intermittently, like they're single right now. So they're dating and how interesting that is because most people assume that they're just like a lesbian because they're pretty androgynous. So navigating that world. And I feel like they did a good job of putting some of that um, gender dysphoria into the show as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you kind of get the feeling that they're not quite sure. The gender dysphoria in the show is thick. Yes. Gender and sexual identity and all these things that we talk about on this podcast are so 
woven into every aspect of this show. How I want to know what how you feel about how it represents the queer community, like this show. How how did you feel as a queer person watching it? I felt targeted. Like I felt like I wanted to hide under a rock at many times throughout the show. And really, you want to lay like a board under the bed? Yeah, for real. <laughs> like I'm not even. And like, at, so spoiler, everybody. But like at the very end of the show, we learned that May was likely like hiding under their bed from a predatory male. And that's not what I'm going for, but I'm, but just like, I felt, yeah, like the anxiety and like the, the, the moments of panic and the moments of like chasing after straight girls that are never going to see you as what they are. And the moments of like latching on to things, like there were so many things that I was just like, I like felt uncomfortable at times, honestly, because I felt like it was so, like, targeted at me. And especially, like, last night we watched the stand-up, and I wanted to hide under my bed. So May Martin has a, has a stand-up episode on <laughs> Netflix. Slash we'll link it on our show notes as well. Alex? Uh, I feel like it was... I feel like it was a good representation of um, a type of queer person that you don't see very often. Like At least portrayed in real life, in or in well, media. in in media, yeah, right on on TV and movies and stuff. And I mean, when you see an androgynous person in media, it's just kind of like they're a spooky superhero or what are they going to do next? Right. And it's, it's less of like, this is just a very complicated person with like real issues that feels a lot of emotions, like a lot of people. And I, I liked it. I felt like I didn't feel like weird about it or, called out or attacked or anything i i liked the portrayal of it even if it wasn't totally believable in every aspect of the show as you look at me see and it's funny to me that to to you guys and i'm not disagreeing i'm just show like opposite perspective but like whatever wasn't believable to you like i fucking feel like i've lived that life like not to that extent but just like chasing down people that are never obtainable. Well, I'm not saying that like I'm not saying 95% of it was unbelievable. But well, for what me what was the 5% that was unbelievable? Just then? for me, like certain parts of it took me out of it, but that's not like anybody's fault. I think that's just any show. How it like hate any you show. personally. Yeah. yeah. But there are certainly parts of it that were that hit home and it's and it's definitely like having a crush on some straight girl, like and and trying to deal with. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in that specific case, like I've never had that 
happened to me where I'm in a relationship with somebody that kind of refuses to come out of the closet to their friends and their family. I've never been in that situation per se. Because if it, if, if anything, I was that person that wasn't willing to be totally open, but not, not to the same degree, I don't think. Right. I was just living a double life. I wasn't necessarily like lying. It was just like hiding. Yeah. And what about the other side of that though? Okay. So you're talking about George of like not being willing to like come out as who she is and whatever. But then like we're talking about May being unwilling to like form relationships with people ultimately because they've been burned so many times and like are just super guarded all the time and don't have like I just feel like both of those dynamics were so realistic oh they are yeah for sure I well I still feel like I'm that way but now we're on a podcast and I'm like talking about myself (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like that's not really appropriate uh, anymore all right all right Sorry, I pushed too hard. No, you're not pushing too hard. No, there was it's here's here's what I have to say. So last night Alex and I watched some like interviews with May Martin. And I felt like I identified with May Martin the person more than I identified with May Martin in Feel Good. Okay, I agree as the that. actor and I agree with that. and I I feel like I identified way more with May Martin in the stand up special, but like yeah. I haven't watched interviews or anything like that. So, so they did an interview with Russell Brand that's mm-hmm. very extensive. That's it's odd. like an hour it long. It was good. Okay, yeah, it was Russell good. Brand's an odd duck. He was fine. He's, okay, he's he whatever he is. Okay. I mean, I don't know that much about him, but okay. like, yeah, we just sort of stumbled upon it because I. Like, I felt a connection in Feel Good, but not, like, to the point of, like, fanaticism about the show. Like, I sure. understood fully certain points of the show, and then other points I didn't. Like, and that's with anything, right? Like, there are shows that you're going to just be feeling like it totally understands you as a person, and how could this happen? It's fucking great. And then there are other things that maybe you don't identify with exactly. But for most of it, I understood. Like, there were many things that I felt like I had feelings in the pit of my stomach where I'm like, I totally understand how that feels. But then when we started listening to May talk about their own personal life and um, just outside of a of a TV show like that's when i started to feel a little more connected to may as a as character a and a person because okay. they're playing themselves in feel good but i feel like to a make a dramatized to yeah to make a show like there are certain things you got to sort of like make more interesting or less interesting or for sure less uh, dramatic or hype more it up dramatic or yeah. So it's it was in, it's to me that's the interesting part about it is like learning about me as a person and then and then kind of comparing it to the show which I don't think they love and they don't really get into a ton in a lot of interviews cuz they don't really want that comparison. They don't want you to be able to be like 
Well, they've clearly lived right. a life that has Mostly, had some troubles and right. they're making yeah. their, I mean, I, I think that that's a really healthy way. I mean, in my opinion, right. that's a really healthy way to frame, maybe it's not healthy, I don't know, but like you're reframing your life and making something for your future out of what. You're your kind of reclaiming was. your trauma. You're reclaiming your trauma. That's exactly what it what it is. You're reclaiming your trauma. And I'm not I'm not here trying to be dramatic, but like I'm just trying to be real. Like we finished watching the, that series on Tuesday night and then last night Lisa and I watched the stand-up special and I like had nightmares all night last night in regards to the material and not it not sexual assault material not saying that just like weird anxiety feelings and weird anxieties and-, and weird like vibing with people and being ousted from certain spots and not being supported in certain spots and just feeling like all around just kind of like Ooh. and i well, and they do that through the whole episode. Like, yeah, they do. They poke it. They poke it soft spots through every single episode, and I hate it and I love it at the same time. Like, I just like the little it makes voice. me feel. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. It made me feel a lot of feels. The show and the stand and the stand up made me feel a lot of feels. Yeah. I think what resonated so deeply with me, like why I wanted you guys to watch it. Sorry, I kind of hounded you <laughs> yeah. a lot about watching it. And besides the fact they have a crush on me, I really yeah, like Lisa's me. in I, love with me, so I'm just doing I love, my best. Here. I love gender fucks, and honey, you're a gender fuck, so like <laughs> that's why you're number one on my list. But I love people who feel confident enough that they're like, this is who I am, and this is how I want to present, take me or leave me. And I what really resonated with me about this show was it was portraying queer people in a way I'd never seen before. Even the TV options we have, it's like we, we've come a long way in 2021. Like it's like not a low budget, ridiculous lesbian movie where it's right. all about like boob touching and like sighing, like, ah, yeah, this is like so great. A clouded lens. <laughs> So it's like all just like a little bit. I don't, you know what the I'm talking about. The closest character I can think of is like Shane from the L word. Right. But the L word For is me, like, like sort Shane of tortured. Always, yeah. Shane will always be like I'll always have, a goddess absolutely. in my mind. There will, there will be nothing to replace Shane. Shout I'll out always, Kate Monique. I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for the L word, but I feel like this is such a graduated version in showing it's way more real as way more, more real. complex and not yeah. just a punchline to a joke or a super cheesy plot or like some side character or like a lesbian subplot that's just like a lesbian there for a boob or. grab or something like it's not I feel like this show took so many so many like serious things into consideration and like it's uncomfortable it's it's uncomfortable for anybody that's watching it whether you're queer or not like it there are a lot of uncomfortable moments i think i like grabbed my face a few times i for sure sure. grabbed my face a few times but it's 
I just feel like we haven't had a show like this that is grappling with sexual identity and attraction and addiction and identity and, and figuring your own self out, like not trauma. even knowing what your own ident like not even knowing, right. like being non-binary and not really knowing how to categorize yourself as that. But also so, so many times we've talked about this <clears throat> a million different times. So many, so much of the queer media that we get is based on, the part of their lives where they're either like coming out or they have to come out to their family or they have, it's like not about them just living their regular ass life. It's like yeah. their trauma see, moments are highlighted. We don't get to see queer people just living their day to day life. And like the way the show portrayed two queer people living together, like even just some of the dynamics in their relationship, I feel like is something we haven't really seen to be like on Netflix in like a very for everybody to everyone can consume this media very easily. Yeah. I thought it was really funny when May had to like put their phone in a box and like sell it yes. up and put it in a suitcase and be like, okay, I won't text you for twenty four hours or thirty six hours. Like Yes. That's it. I'm gonna go out. <laughs> And then chaos ensues. But I feel like that's another thing is like they showed a lot of real life things with anxiety and with some obsessive compulsiveness and these things that like you just don't really see in TV, let alone being portrayed by a queer character. Like my mind just kind of felt blown by it. And I, I didn't relate to everything in the show. I didn't love every single episode. That last episode kind of, I didn't love the rubbed last. you the wrong way. It kind of yeah. rubbed me the wrong way. I got really stressed when the drug dealers were chasing them and they had to hide in the car. I didn't like that. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. That but it's like thing. your old demons chasing you down, which yeah, they always come for you. I so. totally understand, but I... It was metaphorical for sure. I really loved season one. I specifically loved okay. episode four in season one where Lisa Kudrow the mom character and the father character come from Canada to spread the ashes of their dead cat. And George is still like not out to her friends. And she's like, should I go with you? And then I just, I loved that dynamic between May and their parents with, yeah. When they go through the haunted house and Lisa Kudrow's just like losing her mind and she's like, I need to calm down. I'm going through the haunted house again by myself. <laughs> like that's how she like That's how she decompresses. I and that that's something we haven't even touched on yet is the comedy. Like we've talked about all of these heavy subjects and all of this very dark, heavy subject matter, but at the end of the day, this is a comedy. And Mae Martin is a comedian. That is their day job. I like so, the comedy. So I found this quote that I really liked from Sahir Avik de Souza of the film Companion. And he said, Often there is a pressure on queer people to form a concrete definition of how we feel. But Feelgood tells us that it's okay to be less than sure. I get that. And I liked that a lot. I thought that was like very good summation of like 
what we witnessed from May's journey. Yeah, for sure. Those two seasons. Yeah. And it, it's interesting you say this because I watched the first season and then I listened to quite a few podcasts with May Martin on it and then I watched season two and I felt I, I liked May Martin as May Martin better after hearing them just talk them themselves, mm-hmm. talk as themselves. And they're such an eloquent person when they're being interviewed. And I don't know if this was on that podcast you listened to, or Russell Brand, you said. Mm-hmm. Um, like both of the podcasts, the specific ones I'm thinking of, they asked a ton of questions back to their host in a way that you could tell they were kind of uncomfortable with it being all about them. Yeah. They were the ones being interviewed and it's like, you're the guests on this show. They like very much were like, it was a conversation, a dialogue back and forth. It wasn't just like an interview. Right. No, I I got that for sure. No, they, they did that. There was a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. Like, and what about you? Like, I yes. know that you've done X, Y, Z or whatever. Like, there was a lot of What's back and forth. What's your opinion on this? Yeah. yeah. Something I thought that was really interesting. Um, so I listened to Eve's podcast. So Eve as in the... Tattoos? Yep. The, okay. Boob the tattoos? Boob tattoos. Boob tattoos. Boob print tattoos. So Eve has a podcast... Um, called Evolving. Interesting. Let me make sure I got You've listened right. to it, apparently? I listened to this one episode with Mae Martin. Oh. oh Eve interviews Mae Martin? Yes. Oh, How long my. ago is this? Mm. A couple know? weeks ago. That you listened or that the podcast came out? That I listened. Okay. The podcast came out, I think it was um, season one. Because Eve is in season one. Oh, right. She plays the therapist at the um, rehab center in Canada. Yep. Do you remember when she, like, yep. leaves in a fury? Yes. London, like, and yes. then goes to rehab? That's Eve. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I realize that, but. She it, looks super familiar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, fun fact, Eve is. She, like, fled the U.S. I don't know how long ago, but she's been in the U.K. for a long time. Hmm. And she has a husband and a couple of stepkids. And her podcast is um, on BBC Radio. Hmm. So she's, like, all into London culture. And so that's how she hooked up with Mae Martin. And not literally hooked up, but, like, they (laughs) got to know each other and, like, they... Who are we to know? Right. Maybe they did. That's good for them. Yeah, that's fine. We can... Can we imagine? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I don't know. Well, I am now. Great. <laughs> so Mae Martin was on Eve's podcast, and Eve was in the show. Okay. And Eve's podcast is all about figuring out how to be like an authentic version of yourself. So she interviews her guests and then kind of like pulls these pieces out of the interview and like it's kind of an interesting structure because they're having a conversation and then it'll kind of just go to just Eve talking to you of like, this is how May is, has evolved into an authentic person and kind of like picks these things out of the interview to kind of highlight. And then it kind of goes back to their interview. 
That's okay. So I thought okay. I thought it was interesting, but where they were both on that show, it made sense. And you could tell they were friends by how they were talking. And then um, Cameron Esposito's podcast, Query. They're both stand-up comedians, both queer. And so they know each other from just like the comedy circuit. The scene. The scene. And that was a very enjoyable episode because you could tell like they were friends. They had like a very comfortable relationship and... Fun fact, during that interview, May talks about how in season two, she hid all of these birds throughout the episodes because she produced season two. Okay. So there's this like very specific like Brazilian bird that they're obsessed with and like hid this bird in different scenes. Like in one scene, it's like on a poster on the wall. I and feel a- like I there's like a bird thing occasionally. Yeah. May was like, there's six birds hidden okay. in season two. I couldn't find a single damn one. And I knew they were there. Okay. But I thought that was kind of fun and silly. But at the end of the day, like they're a comedian. And that's what I loved the very most about the show were all of the ridiculous one-liners and I liked all silly the, quips um, and... All the little, like, descriptors that May gave to Mm -hmm. George throughout the entire series. May says something about how George is like a little kidney bean. Uh Yes, it's very... God, these descriptions are great. There's one I wrote down. She's like a dangerous Mary Poppins, and I'm Bart Simpson. Oh, (laughs) that's so perfect. Bart Simpson, especially. But there's, like... Well, I feel like it's really good writing. refers himself as corn... Right? Corn, yeah. Oh. That's a thing. There was one... Oh, shit. What is it? It's... um. May refers to themselves as kernels of corn glued onto the end of a popsicle stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just, like, a lot... And it, it's very fast, and it's very dry, and you're not expecting it. It's not, like, the setup for a punchline. It kind of just, like, comes out of left field when you're not expecting it. And I love... Shows like that that are just really witty and kind of catch you off guard. Well, the way they open their stand-up is like, so how was everyone's childhood? (laughs) Which is just so fucked up. (laughs) All right, well. I want to know what you guys thought of the side characters. Like the... Phil? Phil. Love Phil. I love Phil. I liked Lava. Was Lava called Lava in the show? Yeah. Well, Lava her name, was her real name. Her, her given that name was her is given Lava. name was Lava, and then she changed it to Laura. Yeah. But Wasn't remember, her mom was an addict. This? Her mom was an addict and named her Lava. Oh, I'm mixing Sponsor. her in with the Umbrella Academy's well, character because they're her character similar. In uh, we could find it. Okay, no, that's fine. Lava. Um, Lisa Kudrow. I love. Was amazing. Lisa Kudrow. She plays Seems that. Like it was meant for her. It, it does. She plays that like weird, like kind of like Eccentric, wants to be a mom, but airy, like super out of touch of and like doesn't and know. Ditsy in a way, but so at, at the same time grounded and like sort of. Grounded in other ways, but completely not in. Yeah. 
the ways of like kind of caring for her child extremely self-absorbed and that last episode where they all bond over the Chinese pears. pears or whatever. Yeah. It's just like the ornamental pears. The ornamental pears. I, it's just spoiler alert. It, <laughs> I know, but where there they're all some, hugging like, and like, it, it's like, okay, like she is a human. Lisa Kudrow's character is a human. She's not just like a cold bitch. She like does care about her child. Well, right. because they loved Phil. And that was sort of like they were leading you into this thing about like, how shitty! Like you, that they just, love some, you, uh, yeah, else's some kid stranger. That they don't love their own kid that yeah. you've bonded with, but that's a whole other. That's a whole subject. Sub-plot. Yeah, that's but a whole podcast topic. I feel like I feel like at the end though, they were trying to sort of close the circle yeah, on that. They were to they say were. that it's not that they don't love me. It's just complicated, right? Because right. they stole the ornamental pears, and then we find out that they and did many not other things that we pears. don't even really know about. Right. I just want to circle back to the Umbrella Academy and um, Ritu Arya Larva okay. Lava in Larva Lar- Lava as in molten rock. Sorry, sometimes. He went with the bug route. Like so sometimes I feel like British people add R's into things do. that don't deserve yes. an R. That's true. Um, so her character's name was Lila. Lila. Okay, Lila that's why I was... Yeah. Yes. And where did she fit in? She was the, um, you know, the boss bitch of the... Whatever. Yeah, the daughter, the daughter of the, again. The daughter again. Yeah, yeah the, the daughter. daughter. She's the daughter. She's the daughter of the getting addict. it on with one of the mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. the daughter of the boss bitch. Yeah, and yeah. So let's talk about Maggie. Maggie is May's sponsor from mm-hmm. Larva's who's Lava's mom. mom. Larva's, Larva's mom. mom. Jesus, honey. And she was a great character. Maggie was like I an eccentric, wacky. Oh, I felt my I felt heart so bad broke for, for her. her. Yeah. Yes. That was like heart wrenching to me. That was, I don't know. That was one of the roles in the whole movie that, or show that really got to me, I think. Cause that she really was feel, trying to be I think, like, again, I want to make up a, for my, she's a flawed human. It. Yeah. Like yeah. all of us are. Yep. And lost her, fucking child over it and wanted Is nothing more than to can. get her back. Yeah. But can't you see to the po- to the point of being a creeper and Stalker, like inappropriate. Obnoxious. And I yeah. can see the point of the child lava who is like this woman who's my mother is like still completely unstable and is stalking me and who's every couple probably months. done so many wrong things in and my life. I can never me. forgive him. Yeah. And I need to set a boundary. Yeah, like this is mm-hmm. my boundary, mm-hmm. and but the feeling of desperation of no, I of felt like really. We've all had those moments really where maybe watch. we drank too much and said something that we didn't mean, or that we think about the next day, and you're like, "Oh, maybe that was we terrible." Meant it, but and then imagine like <laughs> a decade or more of that feeling that, with yeah. your child. Yeah, that's brutal. 
It is brutal. And, like, I think you can see both sides of that story. And to me, that Mm -hmm. was a very poignant, I don't know. And somehow May is just kind of like the bystander in that story when they probably haven't been, like, the innocent bystander in any other story in the show. I mean. Yeah. So that was interesting. What about Binky? What did you guys think of Binky? She redeemed herself at, in the last like two sentences. She, she said. did, but I don't. I agree with you. She redeemed herself in the last two sentences. She said, but like, is that enough? No. <laughs> she was such no. a C. Was so she was such a C all the way through. A C. <laughs> she was. I'm not going to say the word, but you she didn't was. Say it. It's her own podcast. <laughs> She was horrible. Yeah. And like allowed other people to be horrible and just like was a conductor for horrible business to come through. I think it was a good, like pretty accurate representation of the things that we allow to happen. Right. I do too. And that maybe that's why it was so gritting. Yeah. Cause you're like, I've seen this. I've Mm -hmm. fucking seen this. And I, I get mad at myself. For the, all the times that maybe I didn't say something when I probably should have said something. I do too. I beat myself up like five seconds after the interaction is over. I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a piece of shit. Why did I let why this person? Why didn't I yeah. say this, 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 and this? Like, why did I allow this dialogue to occur on my watch? Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it deserves a place in the show. I mean, it that's an, that's does. absolute reality, and yeah. that's not something that fades over time. It's like all the time. Yeah. And you're stuck thinking about why didn't I stand up or correct or change the conversation well, or whatever at the dinner party? Like May started to change the conversation. When when May was drunk on mouthwash, oh yeah, my. that's and then Binky goes into do. labor. Yeah, so and they were like, "Oh, oh, oh I'm so happy that you're laughing at my pain or whatever." Right, like Binky starts was to get like, really oh, snarky. It was so funny when you said that you felt like a boy, and I thought that was hilarious. And May was just like, "Hilarious! Like this. <laughs> this is the fucking me. life like, I'm, I'm living. Telling, like this is not a joke, but." Then Binky was like, yeah, but it was like stand-up comedy, was it not? Like, were you not telling jokes? Right. And then May, like, kind of gets into it. And then Binky's May, May water was just feeling snarky just and drunk. Breaks. Right. But that's part of the whole point of all of this is that, like, people make comedy out of their own lives to cope Yes. With things that pain. are really not funny at all. But it's like, I, I can't cope with this any other way than to make it funny. I think that is the entire life story of every stand-up comic yes. in the history of I the world. think that's also why they usually have substance abuse <laughs> problems. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jack Berry and Phil were both great side characters. And they were overly affectionate and loving cis het male characters towards may or thinking about their trauma with a man. Like remember Jack is just like pretty much professing his love to may the whole 
series. Like right. I just have loved you. And Jack's the weed too. Yeah, yeah. So and they're like best friends. Of pretend. course, that's the reference. That's and they're that's like, what's stuck in this whole brain. They're like best friends in real life. Okay, okay. May Martin right. and Jack Berry. That's all I have about Feel Good. <laughs> okay. If you want to watch a queer show, check out Netflix. And if you want to check out Umbrella Academy, also on Netflix. If you want a superhero, yeah. super queero, we got you covered. If you've seen him and you want to drop us a comment about what you thought. I would really fucking love some comments, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please comment. I Shout out to all We've the- been getting some personal, like, one-on-one sort of comments mm-hmm. via text or whatever, like, conversation. But a it few- would be really nice mm-hmm. if somebody started the trend of, I'm going to comment on the internet and yeah, start a conversation. Shoot us an email. Toasted Lavender Podcast at gmail.com. Right. And I'd like to take this quick moment to give a shout out to the few people that have emailed us on Toasted Lavender Podcast at gmail.com. Holly, what's up, girl? Thank, Thank you, you. Thank you for the resources on the um, Origins of Lavender. It's really in relation to queer. Yeah, it's gonna help us for a future episode. So thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what else is interesting? The booze and the who's. Oh booze and the God. Who's. Do you want to sing your, your theme song? Your new theme song? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Can you remind me? No. I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna start out with the boo because I want to end on a positive. Give note. us a boo. So please. I'm going to the boo, and I'm really sad to be announcing this boo this week because. I myself have been a fan of you yourself are a baby. I myself da am baby. a baby. Okay, wait. Does the baby do that weird like zombie music video that we watch yes, occasionally? Yes. Zombie. Where it's yeah, like a slow weird, song like, car, and then there's like where zombies like, attacking. The Western car shoot. Yeah, it's the baby. What in the fuck are you guys talking about? We're going to watch it. We've watched it at your house a, a million, million times. It's a slow song and it's like a zombie apocalypse and we're always just like, what's happening? Yeah, it's the baby. Uh, this is my fault. Go on. <laughs> so I just, YouTube. It's not I just want to say that the baby has really let down the queer community this week. Um... He said some really fucked up shit. Do we know what he said? Yeah, he did. Can we? Would quote you like it? me to quote? Yeah, I don't know exactly this story, so I want to hear quote. the whole thing. I have it pulled up and ready to go. So. Yeah, I've enjoyed I mean, I think we Da need Baby. To be factual here. I've all enjoyed right. him because he is the tiniest man in all of music. So, at the end of his Sunday performance at the Rolling Loud Music Festival in Miami Gardens. It sounds great, by the way. DaBaby asked audience members to raise their cell phones before letting loose a string of homophobic statements. So raise your cell phones if... If you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, or any of them deadly sexually transmitted diseases that'll make you die in two, three weeks, put your cell phone lighter up. What? If... There weren't gay men having sex in parking lots. Raise your lighted cell phone. What the fuck does that even mean? How do you raise a a phone if you're like... If you're not having gay sex in the parking lot, raise your lighted cell phone. If you didn't come here with AIDS or a deadly... If you're not a fag, raise your fucking cell phone. 
Yeah. If you want me to summarize. Uh, so it's really icky and it's very much like playing into the stigma of AIDS that is not uh, that what year is it why right like is like the worst part is he doubles down after people call him out he's now like doubled down yeah we don't even need to talk about the music video that he released today but Uh, today uh oh uh um he had a He's signed. <gasps> what? Yeah, it's oh. it's bad, you guys. It's bad. What? And Elton John and Did Dua no Lipa know? both have collaborated like, with him on projects and have like been blasting his ass, what? which they should. Fuck. Yeah, but that because sucks. he's he's perpetuating misinformation. There was some other sponsor of his that pulled out. Too. Yeah, he had like a clothing yeah deal. To like have the baby clothing line, and it's, <laughs> by the way, is it just like his name is the fucking worst. Have so you seen a diaper? Have you seen the picture of him in a diaper <gasps> at a music festival? Ew, what? gross. He oh, did it no. as like a promotional stunt. He wore oh, a gross. diaper and walked around a festival. That's you guys, gross. and he also had like. And he doesn't listen. But like there is let's another just be partner. Clear. It's not gross if you have to wear a diaper. It's just gross that this man, who has a fully functioning body, has to wear a diaper and walk because around he's and call himself the baby. baby. Yes. Do yes. you yes. think that's sexy? I have. I think he if wants like, likes and clicks and videos and it's a promotion whatever. scam. It's yeah. some. It's yeah. has nothing to do with. There's also he another rapper right now that's called Lil Baby. Uh-huh. And like, how do you differentiate between the baby and? Lil baby. It's if funny. you're me, you don't. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't either, it's dude. It's funny because that whole culture is like, how do we be as badass as possible or as hard as possible? Let's wear a diaper. But and then we're like, baby. We're babies. This is Rugrats all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, all right, it's dudes. fucking Rugrats. All right, all right. right. Let's move on okay, to the Who because I didn't want to. Th- I got yeah. the Who. The Who. So we're just like. Right in the midst of the Olympic Games, the 2020 Summer Olympic Games happening in 2021, and there are four non-binary slash trans Olympians that you need to know about. The first one... Should I be worried about their hormone levels? Yes. These are all people who've passed. Oh, great. So, so there's eight thousand other people. Anymore. There's a graveyard of Olympians who. Oh my god, a graveyard, Lisa. Well, who got They're disqualified the because of their uh, hormone levels? They're calling it the the Olympian graveyard. It's supposed to be a who? All right, I'm, I'm sorry. so sorry. Oh okay, god. so these are the people who got got through and are able to compete and are killing it. So Quinn. One name, no last name, just, just Quinn. Quinn. Like share. Shout out to Quinn. Quinn's pronouns are they them. They are playing soccer for Canada. Canada. Go Quinn. Laurel Hubbard. Pronouns are she her. She is doing weightlifting for New Zealand. Go Laurel. Congratulations. Did she have, I think she has silver, silver medal weightlifting. And I think she's trans. It's not saying what they identify as, but I think I read that somewhere. Mm. Um, Elena Smith uses they, them. 
United States skateboarding. They've been misgendered throughout this entire yeah. fucking game oh, really? so far. Yeah, I've seen that. And Chelsea Wolf. And they had they, them on their skateboard. Yes. And mm. they're still being misgendered. Mm-hmm. Well. Chelsea Wolf, not to be confused with the Chelsea musician. <laughs> There's yeah. two Chelsea Wolves. Oh, no. Chelsea uh. Wolf uses she, her, and she is um, competing in BMX freestyle for the United States. So we I want the metal is. singer just like with her long black hair just flowing. <laughs> Some of the while first she's lesbians <laughs> I knew were BMXers. Yeah, so I'm just gonna put it that way. Yeah, there's no sure. like gymnastics professionals. No, and I category. I also want to just make a statement that all of these people are white, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate um, because we know they're is a lot of unfair there are more colors in the punishing rainbow of that. and specifically gatekeeping um, of people of color bodies of color oh. all right well this has been toasted lavender podcast can you give us an extra fucking beer music money. oh my god <laughs> yeah we we really like some beer music. money Hit up our uh, Patreon. We have a Patreon, okay? And one of the tiers is called Beer Money. It's, it's very okay. Very inexpensive. Buy us a beer. Please buy us a Just beer. Just buy yeah. us a beer. Just buy Thanks. us a beer. Uh, or you could do a Queer Money and... If you want to know what that means, you're just going to have to go check it out. But it's $10. On our and if you sign up really soon... You will get a t-shirt. Before the, the whole animals. month of August. whole month of August, 2021. So we'll send you a t-shirt and a sticker. It's very limited in quantity and sizes. So if you're serious about it, you got you to do it around. soon. And we made them very lovingly. Drunkenly. Mostly lovingly. And drunkenly. <laughs> drunkenly. By hand. I, there's a couple I want to keep, but I'm just going to... Put them out in the world. Put them out in the world. We're here. We're queer. We're drinking here. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. 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 So Feel Good is a semi-autobiographical. Feel Good is a semi-autobiographical. Autobiographical. Feel Good is a semi-autobiographical. I'm not going to say Autobiographical. Can I just pause and then you say it for yes. me? Okay. Feel Good is a semi-autobiographical... Thank you.